welcome to The Pottest Couple, the podcast from Broadway's very own Odd Couple. We're here today to talk with our guest, Robbie Roselle, but first, we're going to talk about a few hot-button Broadway topics. Matt, what's first on the agenda? Well, I, I think we have to start with the thing that's really kind of been causing the most... I don't know, confusion. I don't know if I, I don't want to say controversy, but confusion amongst diehard fans. And that is the Lincoln Center casting of the lead roles in My Fair Lady. We, Alan, you and I both know that there was pretty much every Broadway soprano openly campaigning for the role of Eliza Doolittle. Instead of a Broadway soprano, they went with a TV star who hasn't really had a big hit in like 12 years, who kind of sings some jazz for Eliza, and that's Lauren Ambrose, who's on the TV show Six Feet Under. She's done a couple Broadway shows. Probably the one most important is Awake and Sing, which was directed by Bartlett Shear, who's directing My Fair Lady. People will also remember that Lauren Ambrose was at one point cast to play Fanny Bryce in Shear's revival of Funny Girl opposite Bobby Cannavale. Nobody really wanted to see her in that show, so the show got canceled. Now, Shear has gone back to that well again and cast her as Eliza Doolittle. And I, I don't know. I mean, I have nothing against her, Alan. I mean, like, I, I have no idea if she can sing it, but I don't think Bart would cast her if she couldn't. But it just seems so odd. It just seems weird and out of nowhere. I mean, it's like he has a, a talent crush on her dating back, you know, so long to their first working together. He wanted to do Funny Girl, and now he's finally getting her into a Broadway musical. But it just seems, I, I don't know, it seems risky on a lot of different levels. But, I mean, it's hard to argue with him. I mean, he's done pretty well with these big, lavish Lincoln Center musicals, and the casting's been good. It's just, I don't know, man. I mean, my thoughts on this are, I mean, you know that what I had wanted and what I had, I think at one point I had said to you, Laura Benanti, give me Laura Benanti, or give me death. Mm -hmm. And while I still stand by that statement, um, more or less, maybe not that second part so much. <laughs> not the death part. Not the death. I, I mean, maybe metaphorically, not so much literally. Yeah. I really wanted to hear her sing that score. I consider her performance in She Loves Me uh, to be completely definitive, uh, both on the recording and in person. And frankly, I don't think there is a soprano with more depth or range both as a singer or as an actress currently who does anything remotely near the musical theater canon and that would have been a performance for the ages i think and probably a tony award-winning performance right there uh with that said um bart of course has done revivals that i've been so incredibly in love with especially uh south pacific and the last revival of Fiddler on the Roof, which both I thought were absolutely brilliant. Uh, and in fact, there had been some concern and talk in the press, uh, you know, about his last Fiddler on the Roof with his, um, you know, slight deviations from the traditional mm -hmm. staging, you know, from Jerome Robbins choreography to uh, a sort of enveloping story. metaphor yeah. uh, for you, the whole story. And I think, uh, you know, he surprised us all in his ability to present really what was the musical we knew and love and absolutely everything you wanted to see in it was in there and more with his very unique voice and perspective. And so while I am, I'm quite sad that we will not be seeing Laura Benanti's uh, Eliza, at least not for a while, because you never know what could happen down the road mm -hmm. with that production. But I will say that I trust him as a director enough that I'm not I'm not so devastated, but at the same time, I am 
because I think we've we've lost out on seeing what I think would have been a great performance. I'm not really familiar with Lauren Ambrose. I did go on the YouTubes to try and sort of familiarize myself with her and the jazz that she does, and especially sort of the Fanny Bryce material that is out there of her saying it is is brilliant. The only thing remotely close I could find to her in a soprano <laughs> range was 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 a jazz uh, oh, song okay. from something she had recorded for Oxygen, where there was just a little bit of like mezzo range in there, where I heard and I thought, well, it could be a soprano voice. I I hear like the tint of it, but nothing. But you know, I don't think she'd have gotten cast in that. You know, in what I'm sure will be a very expensive revival. If she couldn't sing it, frankly, no. and and if she can't, and if she can't, I don't think it'll last. Right. So from from that perspective, I mean, I'm not worried. Uh, I'm 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 really excited to see Norbert Leo Butts in that revival. I will say because everything I've you know I've seen of him is so brilliant. Good. Well, let's let's put Norbert on the back burner here for a second. Let's stick with the Higgins because I'll tell you right now, Alan, I have absolutely no idea who this guy is. I don't even remember his name. I've watched I he was he was on Downton Abbey at one point first season, then he was on The Crown. I watched every episode of the first season of The Crown. I still have no idea who this guy is. Okay, let me tell you. I've watched every Downton Abbey. I've watched all of The Crown. I have no idea which one he is on there because not to be mean or anything, but he has one of those very generic British faces where he's basically every right. British man all, I know. All British people look the same to you, is what you're saying. No, just, yeah, just you're, there's you're a, a racist type, against there's, British people. There's a type of British man <laughs> that just they all look the same, right? And and look, and here's the other weird thing about it, which is maybe why on Downton Abbey they you know they dress by class so you can tell them apart. But you know, like if. You know, in his Wikipedia picture is what I'm saying. I could not identify him as a member of the household of Grantham. I think he married Elizabeth Govern in the last season or something. Is that right? I don't know. I never watched it. Anyway, so I I honestly can't recognize him at all, and I'm I'm really not familiar with his work. I mean, no. he looks the part. I will well, say. Here's the thing: in pretty much every production ever of My Fair Lady, um, Henry Higgins has been significantly older than the Eliza Doolittle. However, that is not the case in this one. Yes. Bart Shear has cast Lauren Ambrose, who will be 40 at the time of the first performance. And and whatever his name is, Downton Abbey Boy, um, is going to be like 36 or something. So he is actually younger. Again, I don't know that that's a problem. I think you could play Higgins as kind of this stunted man-child who's, you know, wealthy and smart, so he's gotten everything he wants in his life. So I think that can make sense. I think it changes the message, and it definitely diverts from George Bernard Shaw's original Pygmalion. I, I think it does give it a little bit of a different tinge, but I don't know that it doesn't work. You know, my thing is, is that I look at it in terms of, like, sports, Alan, and Imagine you're, well, not you because you don't care about sports, but somebody out there listening, <laughs> imagine that you're like a lifelong fan of a certain football team. Alan, you and I are both lifelong fans of My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady is the show that made me fall in love with theater. Um, so I'm very invested in what this show is. And you're a fan of this certain football team and the best quarterbacks, all of the best quarterbacks in the world have expressed the desire to play for this team. And then there's been rumors that some really well-known, talented running backs um, have been attached to this team for a long time. Then when the coach and the general manager announce who your starting quarterback and running back are going to be, there are people who are like, talented, but have never really played at that level. They've never really played in that offensive system. 
And so it's not that you're, you know, you don't think that they can do it. It's just that you don't have any background film. You don't have any film to watch to have seen them do it. And you're just disappointed that these people who you know want to do this, want to be a part of this team. And you know, like you said earlier with Laura Benanti, no would be incredible. You're disappointed that you haven't gotten a chance to see it. I think a lot of people are saying, well, everybody says they don't just want star casting and now they're getting something different and they're upset. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just, you know, there's no background for either of these people, either Ambrose or what's his name, doing a professional musical. So especially one with this very specific style of singing. So I, I, I don't. You know, I don't think they're going to suck. I imagine they'll be just fine. They'll be good. But it's going to be a different production. And it's going to be something different than we're used to seeing. And a lot of people are going to be on pins and needles waiting to hear if Florin Ambrose can sing, you know, what amounts to, I don't know, the best musical theater score of all time, perhaps? I mean, it's definitely up there. I mean, going back to what you were saying, uh, I, I have two thoughts. The first one is, I'm oddly concerned with how much of that analogy I took in and understood. Yes, thank which you. Which means we have been we have been talking a lot lately. <laughs> but to move on to your original point, uh, especially going back to their age difference, I think it can actually work in this production's benefit, and I'll tell you why. I've seen My Fair Lady done a few times now, and I think the dynamic, the power dynamic, is really important because the minute that Eliza becomes a victim of circumstance is when the entire thing falls apart. Eliza is not a victim. She is a woman who has made certain choices and who is making choices to elevate her position in society, knowing she's going up against a system that is stacked against her. And I think she's manipulating, you know, Higgins as much as he is using her for his entertainment and benefit. I think you could do it that way. That is not the way either Pygmalion let, or Life for Lady is written. Well, let me, let me finish, cause I've, I've seen it played both ways, and I think Eliza as a victim is far less compelling of a story, mm-hmm. because there's so much theater written about, you know, women of circumstance, uh, you know, who have to, you know, who try to rise above their station. But when you get to that pivotal scene, <laughs> and references it's, you know, all over Eli- there. Yeah. But when, you, but when you get to that final pivotal scene, you know, it's Eliza, fetch me my slippers. I think, it, you know, how it's been played up to there, it either makes or breaks it. Either, you know, Eliza is a woman who, you know, tried to get above and failed, and now she is this person's, you know, for no better way to put it, basically, you know, free made uh, in, in what is like a sexless relationship. Or she is a woman who elevated herself based off choices she made. And I liked, I like to think that the first one is the one that resonates with people. And I think that's part of what makes My Fair Lady compelling. And I think when you look at how, you know, especially how it was played in the film by Audrey Hepburn, she by no means took, you know, Higgins's abuse sitting down uh, in that interpretation of it. And I think that that's, that's been extended to a lot of stage versions. I saw the last Cameron Mackintosh version of it when it toured Toronto with actually Marnie Nixon, who dubbed Hepburn in the mm-hmm. role of Mrs. Higgins. And I, th- and that was more or less how it was played there. And I think I, th- I'm hoping that with, you know, this casting choice and, you know, with Cher, who is known for doing unique spins on, on certain concepts without straying too far. I'm hoping that we get the, you know, the feminist, powerful Eliza we deserve in this revival. And I'm, and I think 
that while I'm disappointed we won't be seeing one of our quarterbacks, you know, our known quarterbacks, I'm, I'm optimistic that we will be pleasantly surprised and that it will be an Eliza we grow to love and endear. Yeah, I have no, I, look, I have no doubt that Lauren Ambrose will be good in the role. I can't imagine Bart would cast her if she wasn't. It's just, it's weird. It's just weird. You know, this show, dating back to Pygmalion, is all about class. George Bernard Shaw, that's what he wrote about. Man and, uh, you know, Man and Superman and, and Pygmalion. These things are about class and how people move around class and what class means. I, I feel like if Bart is going to go the way that you're talking about, it just changes the meaning of the piece. And I don't have a problem with that. I just wish he would have done it with something a little bit more, in my opinion, interesting and maybe casting in Eliza of color. I, you know, I was a, I was a big fan of the idea of Ashley Park being Eliza. One, because she's worked with Bart before in The King and I, and we know she's funny. She's, you know, very, very funny. She can sing. She mm-hmm. has the, the soprano. And of course, now she's Gretchen Wieners in Mean Girls, so she's doing just fine. But if Bart is going to kind of transform, my Fair Lady into something that has a little bit more of a social commentary for today's society and not Victorian England or whatever, you know, that was when it was written. I wish they would have gone, you know, that direction of of casting a woman of color because the sun never sets on the British Empire. There was a lot of racial, you know, things going on in their class system. So I think that would have been more interesting to me. But, you know, mm-hmm. casting a a white lady who's got red hair, who's never been in a professional musical before. Okay, I guess. Whatever. You know, I think this is one of those productions I'm hoping will run for a while, and it would be interesting to have, you know, a lot of Eliza replacements with different takes on it. I I mean, for me, anyways. I'm one of those people who could go back and watch My Fair Lady a million times over. And Mm -hmm. so that's all I'll say is hopefully we get a production that runs a long time and we'll get other people in the role. Maybe Laura Benanti, maybe someone of color. Uh, I think that would be personally a great take. And I think it's about time that we had someone do that in a professional production. Yeah, Bart um, Bart doesn't seem to be the guy to do that, though. He's so uh, – he's never done it before, and, and at least not in his big, lavish musicals, whether they be at Lincoln Center or elsewhere. I, I'm not holding my breath for it, but, I, you know, I, I could be wrong. I would be happy to be proven wrong. Well, moving on from My Fair Lady, another story that we had earlier today was – uh, the upcoming Broadway production of SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical? Question mark. I I think it's just SpongeBob SquarePants now. I don't think it's the musical. It was SpongeBob the musical. I think now it's just SpongeBob SquarePants with SpongeBob Square and Pants being capitalized. It's very confusing. I don't. I don't know. On Broadway. On Broadway. On the Broadway. Oh man. Look, I don't. I. I I am not of the generation that ever watched SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, so I honestly know nothing about this other than that he lives in a pineapple under the sea. And it's kind of a, I don't know, it's not the most kid, even though it's a kid's cartoon, there is some overtones to there's things. Some in, there's some innuendo yeah, in there. I don't really know much about it, though. Are you, were you a... Innuendo, outnuendo. Oh, Jesus. Were you a, um, were you a SpongeBob fan? fan at any point, Alan? I mean, when I would get home from school, uh, SpongeBob would be on the TV. That was what that was what kids were watching. And um, though I was not particularly engrossed in it, I will say that I have seen pretty much every SpongeBob that aired of the sort of original 
Spongebob's, I guess, if that's what people call it, like the original Spongebob before it was like CGI stuff-ish. I think they've sort of changed their animation style, <laughs> but I'm not... That. Don't don't quote me on that, because I'm probably wrong. But like the new Spongebob's, maybe just because now it's in HD, it looks different to me. Like when I watched Spongebob, that was like 99 to like, you know, this <laughs> was before I had an HD TV. Uh, I'm old, kids. And... Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, he is a sponge who, you know, has problems like he can't get a driver's license. Um, because he's and, you a know, sponge. He has to... No, because he's a bad driver, oh, which, okay. which now as an adult is relatable. He, he there's a, a running thing that he, you know, keeps trying to get his driver's license and he's not any good at it. And one time he gets it and then he is afraid to drive and gets arrested at the end or something. I mean, there's some Wasn't... seriously. There are some seriously disturbing episodes in there. I, I mean, as a kid, I found them disturbing. So I'm not sure how far the musical takes it. But it, it, it was not your traditional sort of Disney-esque animation. Every episode was was interesting and, and quirky, but I'm not quite sure it warrants a, a Broadway musical. Well, we've seen these videos from rehearsal. They invited the press into their rehearsal Whenever this comes out, it'll be last week. But um, it's they're definitely not keeping it safe and traditional. They were being a little quirky, like the show. They're being weird. They've got some crazy choreography. They've got some. They've got letters running around in the back, which I guess is kind of an interesting visual. And you know, maybe when it's on stage, it'll be you know even more interesting. But it's just it's. There's some fun harmonies, sort of like a bit of an odd couple thing going on there between Patrick and SpongeBob. Okay. So, I mean, I will say I, I just, I, I question sort of the, the thought process that got us to this point. Um, because it's just like a weird thing to pick to musicalize, isn't it? I, I, I would think so. But let me ask you this. There's a lot of people who say, Oh, I don't want musicals based off movies anymore or TV shows or cartoons. Like, do you have a significant problem with movies being adapted to the stage or TV shows or cartoons or whatever it may be? No. I mean, one of, you know, sort of the musical that got me into musicals was Beauty and the Beast, which was, you know, adapted from a, from a film, obviously. But yeah, but that was Um, a musical film. That's it. I'm thinking more of, you know, things like, Honeymoon in Vegas and, you know, Ghost and things like that, that are more not things that already had music in them and wouldn't necessarily be musicalized in the first place, but people did it anyway. I mean, I've not seen Honeymoon in Vegas or Ghost. I've well, I, heard I, know, I don't, I don't mean those shows um, specifically, just in general. I mean, in general, I don't have a problem with that. I think there are a lot of, I mean, I mean you know, going back to sort of you know, where stories come from, there are really only so many plots we can come up with, right? And Mm -hmm. then it's just a question of, you know, how do we switch those up to make them interesting uh, over and over again? And so I have no problem with taking a property that's popular and that people know and bring that to the stage if it's done well. Yeah. Um, When it becomes sort of just like a, you know, like a money grab for no better word to put there, that makes me sort of not thrilled. So I just, I mean, I question why SpongeBob of all the things you could bring to the stage. Hopefully it's good? Question mark? Yeah. I mean, look, I am coming. I think I'm coming to. I think I'm the wrong demographic for this show. I I mean, is it going to be one of those like Times Square things where like your kids go with the parents and like, is it? it, I don't know, man. That's a pretty expensive ticket to be taken 
kids just because they like the cartoon. Well, I mean, why do people see The Lion King? Well, be- because they because it's good. Because <laughs> well, well, don't. I mean, I will say that I I think it has its moments, and I think it has moments where it really lags. I think it's um, still the most visually stunning thing I've ever seen on a stage. It is visually stunning, and I will say. Uh, Julie Taymor does visually stunning very well. Yeah, speaking um, of that, you just saw in Butterfly. Was that visually stunning? I did. It had visually <laughs> interesting moments. Um, so basically the, the answer be- is no. I I mean, I, it was only their second performance, so I don't want to... It was only the second preview, so I don't want to sort of, you know, write it off. Uh, I think they're still finding their footing in there. Uh, it definitely had moments, but I, it wasn't quite sort of the cohesive ensemble it should have been, I think. And I mean, it's probably too soon, you know, in this production's run to say it, but I think some of the choices made for this production may be doing a disservice to the mm. play just based off the fact that I think it detracted from what I think were the important elements and sort of there was, it was hard to find a through line for what was the author trying to say. That's but that's never good. I I I hope to revisit it later in its run, uh, you know, after they've had a few more days to work out their kinks. And uh hopefully it will be better on a repeat visit. All right. Well, speaking of working out uh kinks, why don't we go to our guest for today, Alan? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> That could be interpreted a couple different ways. Today's podcast guest is everyone's favorite Broadway diva once removed, because he can casually text Patti Lapone whenever he wants. He's the designer of Playable Pride and currently designs cast albums, not soundtracks, for Broadway records. He was also an instrumental part in creating Broadway for Orlando. When he's not busy creating cabarets for the great ladies of Broadway or working on Jessica Vosk's upcoming album, He's hard at work getting ready for his 54 Below return. Welcome to the podcast, Robbie Roselle. Oh my god, hand applause everywhere. We're not above that. No. <laughs> You're below. I'm 54 below that. Oh, well done. This show is not above pretty much anything. Oh, I'm so happy to be on The Pottest Couple. <laughs> yes, The Pottest Couple. For those of you who don't know, Robbie Roselle is our unofficial, uncredited branding assistant. <laughs> or or oh. grammarian. Really, I was just saying, if you're going to call it that, then your logo should match. That's, you know. Robbie, I said the same thing. I thought... I don't understand why our website doesn't have the V in it, but Alan, being the social media guru that he is, says you want the, the URL to be shorter. I thought if the show is The Pottest Couple, it should be thepottestcouple.com. But what do I know? Oh, I'm just I an old man. I don't care about your your URL. He's not wrong there. It was just like, oh, Jesus. if that's what you're calling it, your logo should look like it. And the website logo just said Pottest Couple. So I'm happy to be in a Pottest Thruple right now. What? <laughs> Well, we have since corrected the omission of the the, and we yeah. are the Pottest Couple. And today yes. we're sitting with gay comedian, according to The Advocate, Robbie <laughs> Roselle. He totally plugged that before we actually were really recording. So now I'm sneaking so it back in stupid. there. That's so stupid. Robbie, so you're, dumb. W- 
I don't know what's more surprising that you're considered a comedian or that you're gay. I didn't know that either was true. Well, today is National Coming Out Day, so Matt. <laughs> Congratulations, Robbie. I'm proud of you. Thank you. If we're you coming out born? with things, I just feel like I'd like to say one more time I liked the Rent movie. Oh. <laughs> why? Why'd you have to do I that d- again? Why? Why? Oh, man. All right, Robbie, before I we get on to this. like a thesis about why you liked the Rent film, because I can tell you every reason I didn't. Yeah. Please um, do. Because I was a fetus when it when the original Broadway cast was on Broadway. And so that was as close as I was ever going to get, Robbie Roselle. They were, for the old age actors' home production of Rent that they filmed, (laughs) um, it was fine. It was well sung. Mm. Was it? For the most part. Everybody was down three keys. Yeah. It's fine. All right. Although, anyway. although, although Sarah oh Silverman, although Sarah Silverman was in the movie, so that's a, that's was. in the pot, and, that's in the plus and category. So was, uh, oh gosh, Randy Graf. Was oh, was in she the film. really? I didn't know that. Yeah, she plays Idina Menzel's mom. Oh, very yeah. nice. That makes sense. Uh-huh. All right, we're gonna get off rent here, Robbie, because I just want to hit one more thing of the uh, National Coming Out Day. You posted a picture of yourself as a child on the Twitter yes. on National Coming Out Day. And I've got to say, you look a, you looked a lot like Ian Armitage. Does that make you like Sheldon or something? Uh, no. I think, though, that I look more like young Allison from Fun Home. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Just long, like, weird hair, bright lips, like purple li- Like, I look like I have a lip on. Um, I'm in a Spider-Man shirt. For some reason, I'm always in these Spider-Man shirts. I think my parents were maybe like, uh, if we put him <laughs> in the superhero shirt, it'll work out. It did not work out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Little did you Allison, have a dungarees ring of keys moment, Robbie? Um, do you know, actually, right now on Twitter, I've got this long. Uh, uh, I asked people to tell me what their ring of keys moments for falling in love with Broadway were, and I keep retuning them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, th- theater and, and cast albums were, were my lifeline to, you know, staying alive. So I, I wanted to hear others. Uh, it's been really fascinating. So you should read them. What was, what was your, <laughs> what was yours then, Robbie? Ah. <laughs> uh, um, I think it was seeing Ellen Green in uh, Little Shop oh, of Horrors. Wow, the the film because um, something just she was just like a little off, but you know she's so vulnerable and and sweet, and then she's like belting, and her neck is like crazy <laughs> from from the screaming. Like her vocal cords extend. I don't like a half inch. They're insane, and she vaguely looks like. A drag queen. It's the wig, but just vaguely. Yeah, it's that wig, and um, it's just like she. But she's like a passing drag queen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something like you wanted to take care of her, and that's when I was like, "Yep, mm-hmm, I get it." Well, also Robbie Rosell. Speaking of belting, yeah. Speaking of belting, oh. why don't we talk a bit about some of the text messages that you have sent me, uh, including. That you have Patty Lapone in your phone. <laughs> Patty's. Um, I, I I just worked on Patty's new album, "Don't Monkey with Broadway," or as I call it, "Don't Monkey with Broadway." Um, <laughs> Is that a Seth Rudetsky impression? Uh, it could be. <laughs> Let's put it in the show, brother. Um, <laughs> where she just 
flings a cell phone at your head and you bleed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I just, uh, I just worked on her album with her and, um, because she's doing war paint down the street from, uh, our office. Well, down the street, we're down like 10 blocks. She, she asked me to, she summoned me to her dressing room. Uh, so we could meet and finalize it. Um, and when I got in the room, having never really met her before, I, I had designed another album for her, but it was a reissue. And so I don't think the stakes were like that high. Um, this was like her first new album in five years. So I dutifully showed up at the Nederlander and got into her dressing room, which smelled like fish. Um, and she told me that she had just made the greatest scallops with lemon ever. And um, I did not know that Blue Apron delivered to Broadway houses, but let's just. <laughs> if you're Patty LaPone, they do. They'd... Yeah, if you're Patty LaPone, yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, in the dressing room, there's like a, a love seat to sit on. But, and, and she announced right at the top that. Um, she has to have her hip replaced and her doctor told her she has to lie down. So she didn't know how we were going to do this together and then said, oh, I could put my feet on you. <laughs> so what I'm telling you, boys, is that oh. Patty Lapone used me for my body <laughs> as a footstool. Well, you didn't have to put that last part in. That's what happened, though. That's is my that going to be your new Twitter bio? Uh, no, my Twitter bio pretty much stays the same. <laughs> I mean, if that was me, I would just make that my Twitter bio. Patty the Pwn has used me for my body. Well, I mean, listen, there are worse things that can happen to you in your life. <laughs> Speaking of Patty, her home, her Connecticut, well, her I know. Home, her Connecticut home is up for sale. For like, Do you have three million? I know, but I just Come wanted on. to take a different I, want, I love That's the I house of Sunset all, Boulevard built. I love how all, in all the coverage today, everyone has mentioned it's the android rubber pool but they all left out memorial which is how it's referenced in her book oh don't think i don't know first of all if any of your listeners do not have her memoir patty lapone a memoir by patty lapone get it but get the, get the audio book yes because it is fantastic she reads it herself so it's patty lapone a memoir by patty lapone read by patty lapone hi dolls so she's reading it and every so often she'll slip something in that's not in the printed book. And you can tell because she gets oh. a little faster really quickly and then keep, then goes back to the script. It's amazing. And I could use parts of her Baker's wife chapter and her sunset and Evita chapters, frankly, as monologues for the rest of my life. I just so. really want someone like, do you remember in like the nineties, early two thousands when like, soundboards are really big online and you like call your friends and prank call yeah. them by pressing like homer simpson's voice i want yeah. a patty lapone's biography soundboard all right oh. hold on guys stop stop talking i have breaking news what i have legitimate breaking news did the house breaking sell news? no there yeah. is a picture of the imperial theater marquee that has replaced betsy wolf as with Lindsay mendez with, with Lindsay mendez. mendez i did not know Hi, this guys. hello i knew that it is... two days ago okay you know everything two days before everyone else but this is <laughs> amazing i yeah. am in love with yeah. Lindsay mendez and her voice this now was already high on my list of things to see in the spring it is now at the very tippy tippy top because i love me some Lindsay mendez first of all one everyday rapture back up for the other 
Oh, that's right. I didn't even think about mm-hmm. that. Well done there. But also, like, her voice is in oh such God. a different place. I can't wait to hear her sing, like, Mr. Snow. <gasps> oh, what? so good. So there's, yeah. a, there's, there's a Lindsay Mendez video um, out there of a song called Lost in the Brass um, that mm-hmm. she did at some, like, teacher's conference. And this is actually – that song is actually how I first became a fan of our friend Patty Murin because she sang the original demo of it and was in the, I think, Paper Mill production. But the the the, the version of Lindsay singing that, she just kind of goes crazy on the riffs like she can. And it is – Amazing. So if you don't know that song, look at her. Not the one at 54 Below is good, but she does one at some like teacher's conference. That one is amazing. Her that new video of her singing Meadowlark. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh my Where's God. Where's that? It's where uh, do I find that? The, the, the tube of you. Ah, I see. The tube of you. Uh, <laughs> it's from her 54. And honestly, I was like, oh, 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 because I have. As she is, you know, most people just park and bark that song mm-hmm. and it's beautiful, but she is like living in it and it's stunning. Um, Alan Henry, I tweeted it a couple of weeks ago, so that's weird that you didn't see it. Well, I will I will definitely go back and look for it. I mean, good luck. Now. I, I blame it on this stupid non-chronological Twitter feed that they've done now, which is the bane of my existence. Robbie Roselle, which casualty of the last broadway season hurt you the most oh probably great comet honestly Mm. a great comet because it was so beautiful and so unlike anything else that was playing and for sort of social media outrage to have killed and also like not not the smartest handling on the production side um like it deserved it deserved a better life than it had, and it also deserved uh, a better goodbye than it got. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still blows my mind that they couldn't find a name to fill that show, considering, you know, Josh Groban, who's a name, but not the biggest name by any stretch of the uh, imagination. He's a pretty big name. That, he's a name, but he's not, like, you know. I mean, he's I not mean, Josh. Josh is a huge name. Yeah, he's not Denzel Washington, but he's a, he's he's an a B plus A minus name in the bigger scope of things. Right. If- what I'm saying is he's not a Bette Midler name, and that show um, was expensive to run. Let me and let me disagree with you because he kept it sold the entire run, his entire run, and he sells out arena tours around the world. So he is a big like a concert like in the concert world. He's a big name. Yeah, I'm looking so, at his. I'm looking at his album releases here. He has yeah. one that went. Four times platinum, five times platinum, two times platinum, mm-hmm. six times platinum, another one that went platinum, and two that went gold. Like, people are and, buying his albums. Yeah. I guess I have, I, a, I have an off I perspective here. Um, well, I mean, also, you're from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I did not because do it. We, I, I'm not the one who made the Canadian joke. Because we, we don't have music in Canada. So that's. Well, fun. that's not true. You have uh, Lara Fabian. We have Celine Dion. And you also have that girl with the teeth. What's her name? Avril Lavigne. <laughs> is she still a thing? No. Because I still a thing. I think she has Lyme disease, and so she's oh. like, that's what I. Well, did she go hiking in Canada? Well, see, apparently in Ontario, where I'm from, Lyme disease is currently having a resurgence, and so you got from like tick bites, right? From like a tick bite, right? So what? 
Is there like a lot of hiking in Ontario that I don't know about? Well, let me tell you, there's ticks in other places. Like I used to go play nine holes with my dad once in a while at this place called called Uplands Golf Club near my house in Avril Lavigne. Oh, golf. Golf. Yes, nine holes. You're so You know, half half of 18. Um, Uh And so Avril Lavigne lived right on that golf course. So you could see her backyard from there. And there was like a wooded tree area where where I would assume. Sorry, she lived on the golf course? Yeah. Her album said okay that she could just get a home. You could literally like put a ball through her window if you really had wanted to. I mean, not me because I wasn't any good, but someone with skill (laughs) could have probably, you know. Or someone with no skill and could have done it on accident. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to drive that far if you don't have skill. You first of all, you're using sports euphemisms that I don't know. So thank you for expanding my world. Oh, Robbie, today. if if I'm making sports euphemisms, then we have then we have strayed very far from the path. Yeah. All right, yeah, let, let me I get us know. Let me, let me get us back. <laughs> I went through the Josh Groban recording yes. catalog. Um, mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne had an album go seven times platinum, one that went yeah, diamond five boy, times. She said, see you later, boy. Two times platinum, another one that went platinum, another one that went gold. So also, she's, yeah, she's pretty she good. She single-handedly made Hot Topic a thing. <laughs> <laughs> is it a thing? So, is it? I, I feel like yes, it was. Okay. So a- could Avril Lavigne have gone in as Pierre's wife and saved the show? Honestly... Any, it's hmm, interesting questions. Um, <laughs> no, I, because I don't think anybody cared. Ingrid Michaelson, pe- people cared about, um, and I uh, actually knew Ingrid when because uh, I'm from Binghamton, New York, which is where she went to college, and uh, I definitely saw her in Sunny in the Park with George in a college. Oh wow! Hall oh wow! As Dot. Um, and I saw her squeaky from in um, Assassins. Assassins on Sydney Binghamton's main stage. Uh, so I loved when she went in. Although Alan, when you and I saw it, yes, she was much out. To our disappointment. She had a week's vacation in the middle of her six-week run. <laughs> Although I will say, I did get to see her at Elsie Fest this past weekend, and she sang. Was she great? She was fantastic. She sang Good. somewhere that screen, and before she oh, had started, oh. she mentioned that it had been her dad's favorite song and he, from the theater canon, and he had recently passed away, and there was not oh. a dry eye in that crowd. Oh my god, I'd love to see her as Audrey. I think there's a video somewhere, but it was I'm it was sure. stunning, and I would love to see her do more musical theater and more in that style. Mm-hmm. Will Chase mm-hmm. is the dentist. Uh, yeah. I like yeah. I get what you're saying, but also, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Revive Smash. <laughs> yes, with Mandy Moore. I, I told you the other day on Twitter, Robbie, if that would have happened, the show would still be on today. You know, it's just I was watching This Is Us uh, uh, yesterday, and I was like, oh, Mandy Moore has become a really great actress. Which surprises me, um, frankly, because I saw a walk to remember, and she was okay. She was a kid though when that when that movie came out. Yeah, yeah, out. yeah. But like now she's playing like because I don't know if you watch This Is Us, mm-hmm. but it keeps jumping in time. So she's like playing an older version of herself as well, mm-hmm. and she's very good. And I was like, okay, Mandy Moore, you better go. 
Yeah, the makeup, the makeup in This Is Us also kind of not great, kind of compared to the makeup in Walk to Remember, but performance-wise, she is really good. Yeah, she's fantastic and good. Thank God. Thank God somebody escaped that time uh, alive and is acting well. There was a really – she did a really great interview, and I don't remember who it was with. It might have been with – uh, the the awards chatter podcast from the Hollywood Reporter, kind of talking about how she didn't go the route of Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, mm-hmm. and how she never really considered herself part of that sphere because those two pop artists of the late nineties, early two thousands were so much bigger than she was. But she sure. was she was like you know her and Jessica Simpson were kind of that next tier down, and you know the yeah, fact that absolutely. The fact that she's the one of those four that is kind of, you know, I mean, Jessica Simpson's had her ups and downs, but she hasn't had anything too scandalous. But Mandy right. Moore seemed to be, you know, just kind of the normal girl from she was Pennsylvania nice girl or New Hampshire. Store. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when Donna Lynn recorded her, uh, Donna Lynn Champlin recorded her album uh, in her bathroom for a thousand dollars, which is a great story um she put a song from a walk to remember on the album that uh we used to just look at each other and i still text her like gifts from a walk to remember all the time because many more's performance in it was um adequate <laughs> and uh she has a line in the film where she literally says i do not need a reason to be angry with god that Donna Lynn put on a t-shirt for me uh, that I proudly wear all the time. <laughs> and also when she sang that Only Hope song from Walk to Remember, uh, many more, like the lyrics say, says, at the top of my lungs. And Mandy uh, made the bold choice of whispering that line that should clearly be belted. So uh, maybe, I'm just, maybe they, she could belt things. it. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't think she could belt it now. She she sort of has like that lovely it's a little voice breathy. that goes to a yeah. whisper. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tangled. Give it to me. That's what she does, and she does it really well. Well, Robbie Roselle, we've talked about Broadway. We've talked about other people. And now we're going to talk about your favorite topic, you. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's the worst topic. You, you're, you're working <laughs> on a couple of exciting things currently. I uh, do stuff. You do some things, a few things. Yeah. Uh, you know, besides making cabaret shows for basically every great female performer ever, uh, you're working on an album and you've got your show coming up. Tell us about you, Robbie Roselle. Uh, I, uh, well, once upon a time, uh, a man and a woman liked each other and I was born. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Maybe yeah. not so far back. Okay, good, good, good. Because that's a lot of years to cover. Uh, what, what do you want to know? I'll first let's talk about your show coming up very soon at 54 Below. That's true. It's coming up. Uh, Songs from Inside My Locker. Um, so I have sort of built a, a weird second career um, as like a, a joke writer and um, a director of cabaret. And uh, I'm, I seem to be very good, adequate, let's say. Uh, I'm, I'm good at shaping evenings for people and uh melissa erico and kate baldwin and um uh nika graf lanzaroni um just really amazing singers and me saying i want to hear you sing this and here's five jokes and every time 
we would do one of these shows, somebody would say to me, you know, you should really do your own thing. I can tell. I, I know your jokes. I know your rhythm. Blah, blah, blah. I'm Neil Simon. Uh, <laughs> um, and I would uh, I would always say, oh, I don't. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, I don't know that anybody would want to see that. But uh, after we did Nika's show, Hero Worship, back in April, April? Maybe it was February. I don't even know. Everything blends uh, in the in the 2017. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, again, uh, 54 said to me, you should um, you should do your own thing. And so I uh, posted online. Hey, guys, hypothetically, if I did a thing, would any of you come to the thing? And um, half an hour later, I had a date and a contract. So <laughs> um, then I had a show and um, it sold incredibly quickly. I don't know how uh, and was very well received, which was very nice. And so uh, I'm backed by popular demand. Popular uh, Yes, by Am popular I? demand. Sell it, Robbie. Sell it. I, I feel like I'm by popular demand because you couldn't get to it, Alan, and now you can. I'm Well, your government that's had my passport why. at the time, and so basically I demanded I demanded a second date. I'm part of and a shadow government that's doing good in the world. So as I an immigrant did. in this country, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew uh, nothing. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so we're bringing it back October 28th at 9.30. It's really dumb and a lot of fun. We uh, There's a six-piece band behind me that I call the two-drink minimum. We have crazily stupid guests. It's just 70 minutes of demented lunacy. So that's the pitch, guys. Because I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a hard seats. night to top considering I'm seeing your show. Are which... you also seeing Laura Benanti that night because she's opening for me? No, I'm not yet, but now I'm going to. Yeah, is it sold the... out? Is it I... sold out? I mean, probably. She's the she's the seven o'clock, and I'm the nine thirty, and that's the weirdest thing that's happened to me in my career. She's a new mom, Robbie. She's got a curfew. Well, no, 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 no. But she's like why I have a design career. And we've been friends for 15 years. So the fact that she and I are on the same, like, like selling the same club the same night is insane to me. Um, insane. Is it is it just Laura or is Linda with her this time, too? It's Laura and Linda. It's okay. their Story Goes On show, which I actually named. Ooh, I've really got to catch that. Yeah. Um, they were... She was thinking of calling it something like, you know, songs my mother taught me or something like that. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're going to call it The Story Goes On. The Story Goes On. Because you're a new mom and you're singing with your mom. That's the only way you can do it. Is the song song in the show, Robbie? Uh, You know, you'd have to see the show. (laughs) I I didn't direct it or write it. Um, But how lovely would that be? I honestly, um, it was not when I saw the show, but... This is, a, I, I believe, a new version of it, so I'm not sure. But how amazing would it be if they sang it together? Just saying. It is one of my favorites. So It's in my show? So. <laughs> Imagine if you got it back-to-back in both shows. Here's all I'm saying. I have a very deranged medley of uh, short-lived musicals. 
That's kind of that's kind of your round. That that's kind of your sweet spot. Oh yeah, that's uh, the, my pocket is very full of flops. Uh, everybody has a self help book, and mine was not since Carrie. Your your obs- your obsession with Carrie and your history with Carrie is long chronicled. Other other than that show, what's your favorite flop? Oh, uh, merrily we roll along. Yeah, that's kind of a cop out. That's that. that's everybody's favorite flop. I mean, that's kind of mm, but that score. I, I know. That I know. Score. I can tell you the like the I have seen some things on Broadway where where like that are like legendary flops. Um, in fact, I remember seeing Dance of the Vampires. And I met Andrew Gans uh, at Playbill that night, who, like, we had never met before, but we became fast friends because, and Ken Mandelbaum was also in the same row with us. And we were all just looking at each other like, what, what are we watching? What is, what is happening? You're watching, what? My Kelly, eyes. O'Hara. You're watching Kelly O'Hara take her clothes nope. off, right? She sure, that was Dracula. Oh, yeah, Dance whatever. of the Vampires was the Michael Crawford. Oh, yes. dressed as Wayne Newton. <laughs> okay, and, we've got, yeah, we, we have to put Mandy a stop. Gonzalez. We have to put what? a stop to any negative conversation right, of of Michael Crawford. <laughs> Alan and my boss will fire us and have us executed if we allow any disparaging so comments we'll do about a Michael full Crawford. Stop right there, and we'll go back. <laughs> Michael Crawford uh, is great. We love him. Hi, Michael. <laughs> so I saw Dance of the Vampires which was Michael Crawford and Manny Gonzalez and Max Von Essen. And it was whack a doodle. <laughs> but Michael Crawford was great in it, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah, he perfect. got to sing total eclipse of the heart. Makes perfect sense. That With is one beast. of my, that is one of my favorite YouTube bootlegs. <laughs> is it that, that audio? Because I, it's, it's just, where else are you going to hear that? There was a lyric in that show. That said, garlic, 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 that's why we're all well hung. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm still raising my eyebrow at that. You're working on Jessica Vosk's upcoming album, which, of course, was funded on Kickstarter in just three days. Uh, how's that going? Uh, what can audiences expect? And um, give us all the insider information. So Jessica is my muse. Yes. She is <laughs> everything. I write and direct her solo shows we have a run in february and when she got wicked we hatched a plan immediately that when she would uh, was about to leave the show we would launch a kickstarter um because she's got these fans across the country they and you know all these youtube views of amazing Hashtag stuff the voskians yep i mean the voskians are less them i am yes. so into them they follow me on all the social means the social meets is oh, how how do the kids say it? Social meets. The sure. Twitter. I have no the idea. Twitter. I'm old. You guys realize that when I tweet, it's not from my phone; it's from like my desktop. Yeah, oh, me well, too. So. well, same. I I only tweet most more or less from my computer, unless I'm well, standing in Times Square posting a picture in Times Square. You do it for work. Well, I do it for jokes and or call your representatives. I'm guys. I'm, my 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 personal tweets are not work tweets. <laughs> People Disclaimer. who are listening to this. Disclaimer. Yeah, those Call are not your representatives. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, so the, the, sorry, I'm a guest in this country. I can't vote. I can't call anyone. Right. I'm just. But I guess. can tell. But please, uh, you please can tell other people. Please don't let me get deported and call your reps who are you know like Canadians, nice Canadians, and um, let me stay here. 
call your anyway. Um, isn't the world just awful? That's why you and come they, to my remember, show and you'll laugh for seventy minutes. Remember when tw- people were saying twenty sixteen was a long year? Oh God, guys, just wait till twenty seventeen. Things will be fine. You know what's the worst thing to hear every year? December thirty first every year. This is what's going to happen starting at about seven fifty seven p.m. Somebody's going to tweet. 2018 is going to be my year. And then January. 2018 is going to be my year, Robbie. It's not going to be anybody's year. Well, I'm (laughs) I'm an optimist, Robbie. Oh, that's good. I'm a cockeyed peptimist. (laughs) Peptimist? Not a word. (laughs) A cockeyed peptobismalist. Yes. A cockeyed pessimist. I mean, if someone isn't constipated in 2017, what's wrong with you? This is a rambling. What were we? Oh, we're talking about Jessica. We're talking hi, Jessica. And she's a cockeyed humanist. She's amazing. All right. So I love her. I love her social media. I love her Uh whole brand. I think it's just the way she's lifting up all those Boskins. And also, can we talk about the riffing? Because yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Robbie Rosell. I met her. I met her because she was in a show that uh, I was helping put together for Elena Shadow, and she came in and did a duet with Elena of a Sarah Barella song. And I was like, "What are you? Who are you? <laughs> Marry me." Um, and so we did all those things. Um, she, um, she, we, we have the same sense of humor and. Uh, we finish each other's sandwiches. Uh, but I'm that's what I was going to say. That's not true because we just eat sandwiches. Um, we we just we we fell in love instantly, and so we put her first show together, uh, which was called "I Came from Jersey for This." Um, and then a year later, we did "You Asked for It" at um, Joe's Pub, which was her race to become a gay icon in 70 minutes or less and um mm-hmm. and she did it she did it she so did because i crowned the bitch myself on the <laughs> stage um but honestly it was just a, a way for me to get her to sing all the songs that i needed to hear her sing so uh like that including that, defying gravity let's let's just put that out yeah, there that that's robbie, the first time she did it that robbie did that first i mean she sang it i just made sure it happened but also like that medley that uh, I did, uh, the um, I Can't Make You Love Me Still Hurting. I yeah. have that ripped onto my phone because it's one of my <laughs> Well, don't worry, because it'll be on the album. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Breaking um, news. Did we, <laughs> so, just, did we just reveal a track from Jessica Vosk's album here first did, exclusively? Yes. The podcast couple first heard it. Yeah. Um, there you, you think go. that I would let her do an album where that and Chandelier were not on it? Are you <gasps> Two nuts? tracks. Two. That's all you're getting. Um, so so we funded the album, 72 Hours. I was on vacation in Rome. as uh, like We launched the Kickstarter, and the next day I flew to Rome uh, just to hide from things. That's what I do. I just go to another country. Uh, like The last time I did my show, I immediately fled to London because it was either be a triumph and I'm on a rainbow tour or uh, it was a failure and I was just going to be a refugee. So um, it was a hit. So I was on a rainbow tour. So we launched the Kickstarter. I was in Rome. It was 530 in the morning in Rome and I could not sleep because it was like 10 at night. Uh, normal time, like, you know, my normal time. Yeah. Uh, 
So I'm in bed with my iPad open, just watching it in real time update. And um, as soon as it was super close, I kicked in uh, to make sure that I was the one who put her over the top. Uh, (laughs) 72 hours. We we funded the whole thing in 72 hours. And then I kept growing. And I just sent her a text and I said, we're making an album. And uh, so that was that. And uh, she's back. She's off the tour. And and we've started to, like, pick songs. And and, uh, it's going to be really great. It's going to be something that we're really going to be proud of. This is a good time to say that Jessica's our next guest on the show. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. She's the greatest. So this is kind of like our Wicked-ish month. Well, and, you know, oh. Yeah, you're 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 wicked adjacent, and she's That's true. Yeah, I'd look I mean, great you, you as Madame Morrible. <laughs> I mean, you basically booked her that gig when you made her sing that song. <laughs> I mean, that's kind. Uh, sh- let's be real; she has the talent to for it and to back oh, it up. Ab- the healthiest alphabet I ever saw. I saw her do it on New Year's Eve. Um, she definitely optioned up a few times for me because I was there. <laughs> Um, maybe got in trouble with her MD, uh, <laughs> but it's thrilling. And she sounded so healthy and just, Oh God, really well acted. It was I really say, like, did you see her? No, I haven't. I was going to go see her in Buffalo. I was going to drive and see it, but I had to have my wisdom teeth out while I had health insurance. And so that was like the only weekend I could see in oral well, surgery. Alan. I don't think she put on green makeup for the last time. Ooh. Whether it's professionally or personally, she'll put on green Honestly, makeup again. That's, that's a mystery yeah. between her and her God. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, Alan didn't, Alan didn't see Jessica in Wicked, but I did. You did. And I did. And she is amazing. And she, I, my mom went with me because as soon as they said, Wicked's coming to town. I, my mom knows. My mom knows that I go to all this. So she said, "I'm going to Wicked. I don't care who else wants to go. I'm going with you." And my mom has become just a huge, super huge Voskian, and uh, she, she is donated a, to the Kickstarter. I donated to the Kickstarter in her name, but yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it counts. It, it definitely counts. Yeah, it counts. Yes. Like, we hashtag. A, we are all Voskians. I mean, one world, one Vosk. One of those Voskians sent me that final Defying Gravity, and I lost my mind. That morning, I had sent her a text, just, you know, like, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And uh, can I swear? Yeah, you can swear. Right. So I said, I, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. Give those fuckers an extra riff in Defying tonight. And um, she, she took it back to the Joe's Pub riff. That she did. She went full Celine. Yeah, into the the when we did the show at at Joe's, I said, "Hey, you know, you can give that Defying Gravity an extra riff because it's one night." And she was like, "Okay," and so she did. And you've you know you've seen it. Um, and then she took it back to that. It was like just like saying, "I'm coming home. I'm coming back." I love it. So good. Mm, God, she's so good. All right, so Robbie, well, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Um, to leave now, if there was one cast album that you had to listen to just by itself for the rest of your life, what would it be? The 
2016, She Loves Me. Ah, what a great Mm. choice. Uh, Like, it has to be that. It has to be that. I think that is just, I think that is a definitive recording. I agree with you. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it'll ever be recorded better. I don't think it ever has been sung or recorded better. I agree with you. And I have to say, like, my record label did not produce that record. Um, but you worked but on it. I did. Uh, but also, my boss championed me to design it because he knew how important that was to me. So, um, 2016, she loves me. But if you want me to dig back further, which is where I hear you going, Matt. Well, I just I, I wanted one that maybe you didn't work on. I mean, sure. I think that's... Uh, I would say the original Sunday in the Park with George. Mm-hmm. Because that I I remember being on a city bus going to get like groceries when I was seventeen maybe, uh, and my first boyfriend said, "Here, you should listen to this and put get, hand me this cassette of Sunday in the Park with George." And I didn't know what it was, um, so I put it in and white like page of canvas, and um, I played that cassette front and back twice straight through i missed my stop and just kept going to the end of the line and back um just because i i was in such awe of how beautiful that music is and um how beautiful those performances were um, i'm like sort of tearing up right now thinking thinking about that moment it's so it was it's it's a beautiful album Robbie, any thoughts on the new recording? I think it's very good. Uh, I think that um, it's it's a very clean recording. I think that Jake sounds very good. I th- actually, I think most of the cast sounds very good. But for me, Mandy mm-hmm. Patinkin and Bernadette well, Peters are definitive. And that is that. Well, you know, and I think a lot of people were surprised at how good Jake Gyllenhaal sang. But... To me, he he just sounds like he could have been any role. There's something so unique and and um, mm-hmm. and compelling about Mandy Patinkin's voice that oh, he stands absolutely. out in everything. So you hear him sing these songs. He seems removed from everybody else because he is so yeah um, other than just the normal traditional Broadway voice. You're absolutely, absolutely. right. Mm-hmm. Robbie Roselle, thank you so much for joining us today on The Pottest Couple. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm what guest number two. Number two. I will always be Leslie Margarita's number two. <laughs> Robbie, where can the hottest couple of fans find you on on the webs? Um, you can find me. I honestly, the brand is the same across every forum. I'm at Diva Robbie, D I V A R O B B I E. That was my AOL screen name. And uh, may it rest in peace. Pour one out, pour one the f out for AIM. But uh, that's just a cautionary fable in branding, um, because that was chosen when I was sixteen, and here we are, and I'm far past sixteen. Going so, on seventeen. Am I? <laughs> I'm legally dead in Hell's Kitchen. Well, <laughs> by those standards, so am I. Okay. Good. Good. Thanks so much for joining us, Ravi. Thanks for having me, guys.
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pottest Couple. I'm Alan Henry. And I'm Matt Tamanini. Find us online everywhere at Pottest Couple and visit us online at www.pottestcouple.com. You can find me on Twitter at Alan Henry, on Facebook at Alan Henry NYC, on Instagram at Alan Henry, and on Snapchat at Alan Henry TO. Just, I'm on Twitter, BWW Matt, Instagram too if you want, but there's nothing there. See you next time. That was wide ranging. That was wide ranging. <laughs> I, I think I'm proud that on this show we cover a wide variety of topics. Yeah. You know, who has to edit this? Oh, me. Matt will be editing this. It's going right. to be a long, gay evening, Matt Hammonini. Uh, <laughs> this is the line of work I chose to get in. You have seven screens. You can watch something while you work. I've never That's even true. seen a, a Game of Thrones, and I have HBO. Well, I have. Neither have I. That's so, so many breasts. I Broadway! Take my, I take my, <laughs> my, my breasts like I take my turkeys, breastless. Uh, but um, uh, but no, that was not good. That did not go was, well. It you was take better, your breasts, it was breastless? Twitter. It was better on yes. Twitter. And then you played dumb when I made a similar joke. 27... What? Now Robbie Rosell. Go ahead, ahead. now. Oh, okay. I'll go ahead. Okay. She recently posted, and you did this for your last show, and you've brought them back, these funky posters of yourself Ah, in in ah. various 